Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Hosea. The Old Testament book of Hosea and Hosea in chapter number 1. Hosea in chapter number 1. We are beginning our series of the Minor Prophets. And we know that the Minor Prophets section is found, <coughs> excuse me, that it is found in a section after the poetic or the major prophets. It's in a section right before the New Testament. And it is a section that is often very neglected. And so what we're going to do is give a survey of the minor prophets. Taking one minor prophet a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And then the next week the night next minor prophet, to give an overview, to give a summary, to give you a taste, a foothold on how important these minor prophets are. That they may be minor in size, but they are major in message and have very important messages revealing who God is and dealing with prophetical things. As we come to the very first minor prophet, which is right after the book of Daniel, if you're still looking for it, we know that the major prophets would include the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Daniel. Right after the book of Daniel, we come to the section of the minor prophets, and the very first one of the minor prophets is the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea, and if you wouldn't mind looking with me in the book of Hosea, starting at chapter 1, and let's look at chapter 1 and verse 1. Hosea chapter 1 and verse 1. The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of... <coughs> Huzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Ezekiel, kings of Judah in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again, and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name Lo-Rahomah, which I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and will save them by the Lord their God." And will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lorahoma, she conceived and bare a son. Then said, God, call his name Lo-Ami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. 
Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for the great shall be in the day of of Jezreel. And as we come up here, we are introduced to Hosea and his family, his wife and his three kids. And with each of these family members, we learn some more, not only about God and what he plans to do, but we learn quite a bit about this relationship here. And so if you wouldn't mind, as we begin with the book of Hosea chapter number one, I'd like to preach a message to you on Hosea's family. Hosea's family. If you wouldn't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Lord, the best I know how, studied and prepared for this message. But once again, I feel totally inadequate. I understand there's such an important message to reveal you and how you work and what you want to get accomplished. And I just feel like I can't get it done. And that is a true statement. But I know that you can. So the best I know how I set aside my ambitions, my goals, my desires, my knowledge, my intellect, my des whatever I desire to get accomplished, and I give that all to you. And that you just use me as your instrument to get your work accomplished, what you get to, what you desire to have done. That you would have free reign and that I wouldn't be a hindrance, but instead that you would just get things done the way that you see fit. I'm thankful that we could trust you and that you would be a big help, a great help to each of us as we explore this family even now. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to the book of Hosea, we understand that there are 14 chapters in the book of Hosea, but there is a clear division, a natural division, between the first three chapters and the rest of the book. That the first three chapters is put attention upon Hosea and his family and the relationship between the family and how it works out. And then the rest of the chapters, Hosea chapter 4 through 14, is going to be dealing with prophecy, dealing with the nation of Israel, as it compares to the example that God has given dealing with Hosea and his family. Now, if you take this book and its message only to mean that God is speaking to a nation and fail to apply the message to the individual, then we missed God's great message he has for us. Now at this time, God's people are in a divided kingdom. You have the northern kingdom of Samaria or Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And it is just a very short time before the northern kingdom of Israel is going to be taken over by the Assyrian Empire in and 722 BC. And so Hosea is one of those prophets that is trying to show their corruption, to show the things that are wrong with the nation and why destruction is coming. In fact, that is even given just a little bit here in chapter 1, talking about what God is going to do with the northern kingdom of Israel and what he's going to do with the southern kingdom of Judah. But we understand this is a message dealing with a prophet and his family 
And God is using their family as an example to tell Israel that it is a land of no truth. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to go with you. And you go with me. And let's go knock on the door of this family. And as we're entered in, we get to meet each of these family members. And with each of these family members, we learn something more, not only about them, but we learn more about what God is trying to get accomplished. If you don't mind, let's go with me and let's knock on the door. And as we knock on the door, we're introduced to the head of the household, Hosea the prophet. Hosea the the father, Hosea the husband. And we could see here as we're introduced, you could immediately shake his hand and we learn a little bit about Hosea as we begin. Notice with me in Hosea chapter 1 and verse 2. Hosea chapter 1 and verse 2. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. Now the uh, name Hosea carries the idea of salvation. And here is a man who is willing to be obedient to God. And God is going to use him as an illustration of God's love. Now this is a true story. It's not a picture. It's not a mythology. This is a real event that happened. This is something that occurred. It's a true story that also pictures God's redeeming love. Notice with me in verse 2 again. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go Take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, and a children of whoredoms. For the land had committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. Notice this. Three times in one verse, God uses the word whoredoms. In fact, 14 times throughout the book of Hosea, this word is used. This word, of course, deals with the idea of sexual sins, a heartbreaking type sin, especially when it involves a home. And in this, God tells his prophet, I want you to go find a lady. I want, I'm going to go introduce you to a, Mary, to a lady. You're going to fall in love. You're going to marry her. But Hosea, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, she's going to break your heart. She's going to violate your marriage covenant. She's going to go and commit adultery. But I want you to marry this woman. Could you imagine that? To be told before you marry her? God says, guess what? You want to marry her? You love her and he loved her so much. But to say, you know what? This woman that you love, you're going to get married to? She's going to cheat on you. She's going to break your heart. She's going to violate your trust. But I still want you to marry her. Can you imagine the obedience that he did? Knowing what he was going to enter into. The heartbreak. Knowing that this was going to struggle. But God had a plan. And God wanted to use Hosea in his great love to teach Israel more about God's love. Could you imagine again to be revealed what your wife was going to do to you and you knew it going into it? We know that Hosea is going to be a picture of our God whose redeeming love seeks out sinners. And we're going to see this seeking love in the next several chapters. This seeking love. It's not a passive love. It is a seeking love. God seeks after those, even those who have broken his heart. Now the only hope that we have is for someone to love us and to seek after us. And by the way, Jesus is a seeking God. It speaks about that in the Bible. 
the gospel records that Jesus Christ, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He is a seeking God. He is a seeking love. And he came after us. No, no wonder Hosea's name, it's very important. It means salvation. And God is trying to reveal through a real life incident. He's trying to use us as a picture of God's great love. Here is a husband that we're introduced to. And there's something about him. That there's something as he's obedient to God. He has a desire. We know that there's a broken heartedness with him. But there's a great love that he has for his family. As we go in and we're introduced to him. They bring us into the to the house and they sit us down and allow us to take a seat and it is there we're introduced to Hosea's wife her name is Gomer if you don't mind look at this if you don't starting at verse number three and so he that's Hosea took Gomer the daughter of Dibalim which conceived and bare him a son so now we're introduced to Gomer her name means completeness but she's anything but that She's not much of a completer for a husband at all. In fact, she forsakes her husband and forsakes her children to go after other men. And yet, her husband loves her. Think about that. We're introduced to her and we shake her hand and we feel like there's something just kind of off in here. We know that the husband... He loves her so much and is willing to do everything. But to her, there's something off. But yet, there's something about this seeking love. In fact, let's show you a little bit about this seeking love. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Jeremiah. We're coming back to Hosea in a second. But again, we understand through this real life heartbreaking picture here, we can see this great love. Now, remember... Hosea knew ahead of time what was going to happen. It had a broken heart. Can you imagine him loving on his wife and saying, I know that she is going to go away, but maybe perhaps if I love her enough, if I care for her enough, maybe if I do, she won't go away from me. She won't turn away from me. She won't desire someone else. If I could invest in this, you can imagine that he probably put his all into that marriage, probably put his all into trying to work with her and to love her. And he's done all of this. And yet she walked away. Again, Three times in that one verse it used the idea of whoredoms. And just saying that word, it's a very offensive type word. Whoredoms. Describing the sexual sins. Describing the depravity that she goes into. And yet, he loves her the entire time. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31, and notice with me in verse 3. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yet I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. Here it speaks about God's love, that it is an everlasting love. That means it's a love that was never initiated. God loved us completely before we were here, before you existed. There is nothing you can do to make God stop 
loving you. It's an everlasting love. It's a love without stop. You cannot make God stop loving you. And there's nothing you can do to make God start loving you. He loved you everlasting. He loved you completely. He loved you without end. He loved you unceasingly. No matter what we have done. Isn't that a great God? That he loves us no matter what we have done to him. Again, God is using this marriage. Oh, this heartbreaking marriage. To show, to reveal God's God's great love of redemption towards us. By showing this towards his people, he loves us. Notice with me in the New Testament, in the gospel record of John. The gospel record of John chapter 13. We're turning back to Hosea in a second, but I want to show you how what God says about this love that he has. Notice as the Lord Jesus Christ, as he just finished uh, what we would call the last supper with his disciples. And he is preparing to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Knowing that within 24 hours he would be crucified on the cross of Calvary. Notice with me in John 13 and verse 1. John 13 and verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover. When Jesus knew that his hour was come. That he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world. Notice this. He loved them unto the end. Oh, this is the type of love that God has for us and to his people. He loves them to the end. He doesn't stop loving them. There was never something that could be done to end that love. He loved us that much. As we go back to the book of Hosea. And we could see, here's Hosea here, still loving his wife, knowing what she has done. We meet her, and there's something not quite right there. You know, there was every reason in the world to tell him that you need to leave her. Just forget it. Just walk away. Just leave her. You're better off without her. She, she keeps breaking your heart. Why do you put yourself through it? You understand there was every reason to tell him to walk away. But that's not his love. And that's not the behavior of the love of God. He loved her to the end. As God loved us to the end. You know how many times that we have broken God's heart. And he didn't stop loving us. How many times we walked away. We committed spiritual adultery. And he didn't stop loving us. He loved us to the end. When God would be every bit justified. As we look at it. To say you know what. I'm done with them. I'm done with them. They've broken my heart one too many times. I can't handle the heartbreak. And yet his love is an everlasting love. He loved us to the end. Now if you had visited Hosea's house and you found out what kind of woman she is. So you almost shake her hand and listen to the way that she talks and you find out the lifestyle she lives. Let me tell you, this is a kind of woman that you like wash my hands. and This is not the type of lady that you want to invite to go see your friends. 
This is not the lady that you would like to sit next to you in church. This is not a lady that you would like to be associated with. You wouldn't even want to be associated with her friends with the lifestyle she was living in. Could you imagine a lady who purposely, on purpose, leaves her husband, leaves her kids. In the next chapter it says she forgot about them. Could you imagine to forget your husband? To forget that you even had children in order to engage in the lifestyle that you want to have? And yet Hosea loved her. What we see here in a real life story, we can see through Hosea how much God's heart hurts because of our sins. He loved her, but he's so heartbroken. The heaviness, you could see it etched in his life that he, every time he looks at her, finds her, sees her, he's so brokenhearted. You understand, sometimes we think of God as some mystical being up there, but we don't think of his emotions. How much we break God's heart. And he still loves us. May I show you more of this, of God's brokenheartedness towards our sin in the book of Romans chapter 3? The book of Romans chapter 3. Again, as we're introduced to this family, God is using a real life historical event. A real family. Hosea was really married to Gomer. Yes, Gomer broke his heart and left the family. If you could imagine in this meeting here, it's before she takes off for the last time and you could almost see that coldness in her when we shake her hands. Oh, it's church people. She sighs and she does everything she can to make you uncomfortable because she's uncomfortable. And yet the whole time you could see her husband loves her and he loves her so much that he's heartbroken for her. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of Romans chapter 3. And we could see God's heartbreak over sin. Romans chapter 3, notice with me in verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We're going to continue in just a second. But can you see this? No one's turning towards God. We're all going away from God. That's what our sin does. There is none. They are all together become unprofitable. Is that an accurate statement of what you could say about Gomer in her relationship to Hosea? That she is unprofitable? She is unprofitable to him. And yet he loves her still. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Verse 13. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Again, in the relationship between Gomer and Hosea, couldn't you see her, her tongue lying to him? Where was you at last night? I was with friends. The deceit that went with her sins. 
hurting him over and over with her lips lying, making promises, and never getting things fixed. Verse 30, uh, 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are quick to shed blood, swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Oh, what a description of sin that we have here. We could see the brokenheartedness. This is what Hosea saw when he saw his wife. And let me tell you, this is what God sees when he sees us. He's so brokenhearted because of sin. And the way of peace have they not known. God had offered peace, but they don't know peace. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatsoever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be guilty before God. You understand? God is exceedingly sinful. God hates sin. It breaks his heart. You understand there's no such thing as a passive sin or a sin that doesn't affect God. God hates all of our sin and it broke his heart. You say, well, some sins aren't that big. You tell that to Hosea who's looking at his wife. And when she sins against them and sins against the marriage, it's always a big deal. What if she's just flirting with some other guy? Does that not hurt him? It does. All sin is awful. And Hosea watching her. He loved her to the end. But here is a lady that has broken his heart. And has no hope within herself of returning. No desire of returning. She's not saying how can I make things right? She's getting further and further away and seeming to almost run towards it. Swift for destruction. And so we meet her. When we see Gomer and her sin, we see ourselves. In Hosea, we see God. Again, you recognize yourself that we're all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Our sins have broken God's heart when he has done so much for us. He has proven his love towards us. And yet we sin. And how it breaks God's heart. Oh, but there's an everlasting love that he has. As we go through, we've now sitting down and we have met... <coughs> Hosea, who shakes our hand, and we can see there's something towards it. They sit us down at the couch, and we make ourselves comfortable, and we can see across the room, almost because she has to be there, is Gomer, and she's miserable, and even then, she's not happy to be able to see church people there, and she's not very comfortable at all, and the way that things that she's saying, the topic she's talking about, is on purpose to make us uncomfortable too. But yet, you could see... Hosea there looking at his wife. He's broken hearted. Oh but he still loves her. I just want her back. I just want her to with me. I want her to quit her lifestyle and just love me. I love her. I love her. But that's not the only people in the room. We come by and. There's a, a little boy that comes through. A young man. 
And he comes by and Hosea says, shake hands with the church people as they come in. And we shake hands and we meet this young man. Let's see him as he's described here in the book of Hosea. Let's read Hosea chapter 1. Hosea 1 and let's start at verse number 3. Hosea chapter 1 and verse 3. And so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, speaking of, of Hosea, call his name Jezreel. For a little while I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. Now, in Hebrew, names are very, very important. And so names will often teach a message. And as we come and meet this young man, we shake his hand and say, what's your name? And he says, my name's Jezreel. And we would understand immediately that his name would have meaning. His name means scattered. And that God had promised that he was going to scatter and judge his people. That God's people, Israel, have sinned against God and sinned against God and sinned against God. And so God says, I want to teach a message to this boy to fall of Israel. His name's scattered. And that I'm going to scatter all of the Hebrew people. I'm going to scatter them for Jehu and his disobedience. It may specifically Jehu. Jehu was a king and he had every opportunity to turn the king of, kingdom of Israel back to God. But he was not wise and he wasted that. And he killed more people than what he should have. And so God says, that was your chance. You messed up that opportunity. We're done. And because of that disobedience... We're going to be affected. Now Jezreel's not only a name of scattered. It's actually a location. And God says it's actually in the valley of Jezreel. That I'll get this victory accomplished. I'll get this done. I'll make this defeat. You know they could have been obedient to God. And had his blessing. But not now. They missed it. And they missed God's blessing. And when we go our own way. We're not blessed. But we're scattered and defeated. We look at the Hebrew people even now. The Hebrew people are not centrally located in the nation of Israel. But they're scattered all across the world. There are millions of Hebrew people living in New York. Near New York City. They are not in a central location. But even today they are scattered. And God said, this is what I'm going to do because of your sin, because of what you've done. You had every opportunity to get things right and you didn't. And so I'm teaching a message. So we shake hands with this young man. Now, as you look at him, you can definitely see the resemblance as you have Gomer who's looking at the other side with her arms crossed, staring at the wall. You can look and say, yeah, that's mom. And you can look at Jose and say, that's dad. That's definitely, we could tell that this is their child. Then we have another child come up, a, a beautiful young girl. She comes up next. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 6. And she, that's Gomer, conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto her, call her name Lo-Rahomai. For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them by the Lord their God. And will not save them by bow or by sword or by battle, by horses nor by horsemen. And so we come up and we meet this other little girl. Now her name means um, that God will no longer have pity or mercy. He says, here's this little girl that comes up. And he says, her name carries the idea that there'll be no more blessing and no more caring. As we understand what the message means is that because of our sin, 
Our sin separates us from God. And we can't be close to God. And if we're not close to God, we don't receive His blessings. But instead we receive all the other things. That God is not near us. Sin prevents God from having the kind of relationship and fellowship He desires with His people. And with, because of sin, there's no real intimacy with God. Now, of course, we could relate this. There are many people who profess to be Christians, but they have no intimacy with God. There's no closeness. And it's sin that keeps them far away. They're missing out on God's blessing. They're missing out on that relationship that God desires to have with His people. And this little girl, as you look at her, you could say it looks like mom, dad, I don't know for sure. There's a question mark there of parentage and of lineage there. But her name teaches quite a bit. That there's a distance now. There's no closeness. There's no real intimacy. No fellowship there anymore. That marriage is already beginning to dry up. And we can see the effects of it. Let me tell you. Sin affects children. It affects them quite a bit. The sin in the home. And now we have a little girl here. Beautiful little girl. But her message That she carries with her is that because of sin, there's no closeness, there's no intimacy. And that's what Hosea, you look at Hosea, he would do anything. He would be willing to forgive her if she would just come back to him. He would be willing to set it all aside and resume an intimate fellowship, uh, relationship with her. He says, I just want to be close. I'm willing to set it aside, but I can't because sin is in the way right now. God is the same way. I want to be close to you. And it's not God who keeps distance. It's us that keeps distance. Our sin keeps us away from God. God just wants to be close to us. He's willing to set aside anything we've done. To forgive it. To bury it. To not bring it up ever again. If we would just come back. What a great everlasting God that we have. And the heartbreak that he has as he says, this is my desire. I just want you close. And the person just stays away and refuses to come back. We're introduced to one little boy who is left. Notice as we see and we introduce him here in verse number 8. And now when she had weaned lo Rahomai, she conceived and bare a son. Then said, God, call his name Lo-Ami. For ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Now, as we had met the first young man, he came in, and you could definitely see there's mom, there's dad, definitely. The little girl comes in, and you could say, I could see a little bit of mom, dad, yeah. But as you come to this third child, you could tell immediately that Hosea is not his father. Immediately, you could tell that it's not Hosea's son. And the name of his, his name means you're not my people. It's not my kid, not my son. We know that God's desire is for them to be his people. But because, his, because of the sin, they are not his people. You know, even today, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, they still exist But they don't have a relationship with God. They're far away from Him. They've turned away from the Messiah that God had sent for them. 
And they had rejected it. And yet God still desires for his people, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, to come back to him. But they refuse. And God has to say, they're not my people right now. I want them to be. But they're not my people. Oh, we know people like this. These are people that make a profession. I said a prayer. But they have no resemblance to Christ whatsoever. God says, they're not my people. They may say they're a Christian, but that's not mine. It's not mine. They said a prayer. They know how to act. The act. They could show up at the right times. They could try to look good. But God says they're not my people. Not my people. They could be. I want them to be. But they're not my people. You know it is a very, very serious matter. To call yourself a Christian and not live like one. It is a very serious matter. To be Call yourself a Christian and have no resemblance of Christ whatsoever. What a heartbreaking affair. Because they're missing out on what God desires for them to have. They're missing out on all that God wants them to be. God wants so much for, for them. Oh, what a heartbreaking chapter. As we come in and we're making a visit, we shake hands. And here is a man that has the weight of an entire family. The heartbreak is just etched in his face. Can you imagine how many nights he weeps and cries. Because of the heartbreak of his family. He would take her back. Full intimacy if she would just come back. But she refuses. We're introduced to her. And we know later on she takes off. She runs away. And we'll see that more tonight. But right now she's still there. She's there in body. But in heart she is a long way from that living room where we're sitting her at. She doesn't want to be here. She doesn't want to be with her. her. Her desire, she wants to be somewhere else right now. And you can see that in her countenance and her things. We meet these three children coming in. The first one we could definitely see definitely is one of theirs. But his name means scattered. And God's giving a warning that because of the sin, they're going to be scattered. The little girl comes up and we... Greet her, and but we could see that God says, I'm, I'm done with this. No more pity. No more mercy. I'm done. And then we could see this last child, and we don't want to say anything. But just looking at him, we could say, this is not Hosea's kid. And we could tell it's not. And we look at this, and we could see the house and the interactions. Can you imagine how heartbroken those kids are? They know what mom's doing. They know that mom and dad are not getting along. They know that. And this is affecting the household. Can you imagine sitting there. And your heart trying not to break for them. Watching this. Knowing what's happening. Seeing that relationship not right. You said preacher. This isn't very encouraging yet. What we are learning is about. God's broken heartedness. And we're also seeing God's everlasting love. But let me show you something. Notice with me in verse number 10. Notice the very first word, yet. Oh, there's still hope. Yet. God still has a great hope. He's still hoping that this is going to work out. Yet. The number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. God says, I still got promises I'm still going to deliver. 
which cannot be measured nor number. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people. There it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of a living God. Now, I don't know if you like such things, but the Valley of Jezreel happens to have another cool name. It's called the Valley of Armageddon. And it's in the Valley of Jezreel where the people suffered a great defeat several different times, by the way. And we could see that the destruction of the Hebrew nation destroyed and affected. But God's going to keep a promise. And you know what's going to happen is that one day Jesus Christ is going to come back to that same valley. And the same valley where they had destruction before, where God sent judgment upon them. He's coming back with Jesus Christ. For the purpose of making the Hebrew people his people once again. That's his plan as he wants to bring them back to himself. And the very place where they were chased away from, he's going to bring them back. Notice if you don't mind, one last passage. The book of 1 Peter chapter number 2. The book of 1 Peter chapter number 2. And let me show you God's great heart. Let me show you where God's going with this. Let me show you what God has planned. 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2, and notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 9. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now the people of God. Which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You know what we were? Most of us are Gentile folks in here. We were people who hated God. We were not his people. But because of what Jesus Christ did for us, he made it available because of his great love for us to come to him and have all of our sins forgiven and to become God's people. Let me tell you, there was a time because of your sin that you've broken and offended God's heart and that you are far away from him. But yet God have an everlasting love that you were nothing to look at. You were no great treasure, but God loved you anyways. And he wanted you to bring him to himself. Not just to save you from hell, not to give you fire insurance, but to have an intimate relationship and fellowship with you. That's God's great desire. He wants to make you God's people. And of course, dealing with the Hebrew nation, God still has promises. And then he's going to continue to work with the Hebrew people in a later event. We'll talk more about that tonight. But God still hasn't forgotten about the Hebrew people. And he has every intention to bring them back to himself, even though they have currently present tense broken his heart. What do we learn from here? Well, first of all, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me tell you there's a God who loves you so much. He's willing to forgive you of every little thing you've ever done. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, come to him. He will take you as you are because he loves you that much. A second thing that we realize is how much our sin breaks our God's heart. You know, after we get saved, we still have the capability of sin. But yet sin is not that big to us. You think about that little white lie that you told. It's not a big deal to you. That little time that you cheated on your taxes. Eh, not that big of a deal. You understand? All sin is awful to God. 
All sin breaks God's heart. And he looks at us and says, I want it so much more for you than this. Then we watch people who get so far away from God because of their sin. And God says, I'll take you back at any time. I love you that much. And with that, we could see this last thing, the everlasting love of God. (laughs) I'm so thankful that there's no limit to God's love. There's no expiration date. There's no cutoff where God said, I'm done with you. You're done. You've done too much. I'm glad because I'm afraid I would have crossed that line several times. Oh, we could see the heartbrokenness of Hosea. And again, there's something about these prophets, whether it's Ezekiel or whether it's Hosea, that is willing to be, go through heartache and brokenness because they love their God supremely. You think about if God said, hey, you know what? I want you to marry someone who's going to break your heart. How about you do that? I don't know if I would be willing if I knew about. Unfortunately, there are some of us who didn't get that choice. But let me tell you, God's picture of his love is through Hosea, who never stopped loving his wife. As many times she broke his heart, he chased after her. He sought after her. We'll learn more about this tonight with the door of hope, which leads us to chapter 3, which again, as we promoted earlier, Probably, some people say, the greatest chapter in the Word of God, dealing with Hosea and his family. But as we're here, all we're doing is introducing ourselves to the family. Meeting the wife and the three kids, and seeing this heartbroken family. And learning about God's great love, that as much as Gomer broke his heart, he never stopped loving her. What a great love that God has. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what keeps you from being close to God. But how can you run away from a love like that? When you realize how much he loved you, that should make us be willing to drop anything and just go to him and say, I love you so much. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, how can you turn down a love who loves you no matter what you've done and how much you've broken his heart? Come to him. Come to him. What a great love that God has for us. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.